You are now listening to Home Girls Unite. Please do not listen to this podcast whilst cooking, cleaning, or doing any childcare related activities. Sit back and enjoy your life. Yes, we're enjoying. I'm rolling my shoulders as we do this, trying to relax. You know, trying to let go. I'm saying, you know. Say that again. I said at least one of us is relaxing. I have to force it in it. It's not natural for me, so we're forcing it. Fake we're it gonna me. relax, you know. You know how how are you, Yasin? How's your week been? <laughs> <laughs> it's been higgy hagger, up and down. Mm-hmm. Tears, but we are still alive. <sighs> Mate, we 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 rough. let we let we let ourselves cry. Yes, and then wipe those tears. Does it exactly? <laughs> Can't do anything else. How about you? Same, <laughs> absolutely same. Um, it's been pretty hard. I think the story that I was working on this week as well was like out of Ethiopia and the war and stuff that's going on there. Saw a lot of dead bodies, that kind of thing, you know. And it was just a bit hard. But again, like I said, rolling shoulders, breathing, relaxing, trying. Speaking of dead bodies, um, yeah. I I re- I found this show on Netflix yesterday called um, um, "Buried by the Bernards" or something along those lines. And oh my god, is that the black people's funeral? <laughs> their family, every single one of them, especially the grandma. They're really funny. I watched like six episodes yesterday. Oh, wicked. I've got something to do today. <laughs> it's really funny. Like the, the uncle, like the grandma's um, brother, he's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> he dresses like a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> and All the time. Yeah, like that's, he just watch it. You'll see. And then he bought yeah. himself a hearse. Just yeah. to drive around, just as <laughs> oh it's like watch it. You're... Sounds like your people's yesin. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I need a season two, and I need longer episodes because they're only twenty minutes long. But it was really good. Like it's really cute, like their family dynamic and stuff. So um, okay. yeah, that, that's something that it's a good watch to relax, I guess, with their body. Okay. Okay, um, I'll, I'll give that a watch because this week I've been, so I did the um, VPN and I've been watching um, American Amazon and I was watching Murder, She Wrote, <laughs> Jessica Fletcher and her murder mysteries. <laughs> I'm like five episodes in. So okay. that's been my, you know, my thing. Well, yeah. this, this will relax you as well. Um <laughs> As relaxed as you can be around a funeral home. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, um, we are back. And um, thanks for your patience. The last Thank two you. weeks been working extra hard. For me, mm-hmm. too, extra hard because I don't even like working anyway. So <laughs> it's been a struggle. That's why I cried because I don't want to work. Um Regardless, we're here. We have a guest today that we're really excited to have. We have Hi, Tony. She's a home girl. Hi, Tony. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank Thanks you for so much me. for joining us. 
So Tony is a home girl. She's been at um, a couple of our events and um, we are excited to have her here. So Tony, what's your eldest daughter life like? How many siblings do you have? Um, and how have you found the journey of an eldest daughter? Um, so I'm the oldest of six and there's quite a big age gap between me and my younger siblings. So the next, uh, my sister is eight years younger than me. And then I have a brother who's 12, another brother who is 10, another brother who's five, and the last brother who is three years old. Um, so the journey I've been on as an eldest daughter is pretty much, I helped raise my two youngest siblings, my sister and brother, um, because my mom's a single parent. And she was always kind of working to support us. And I was always um, helping out wherever I could. So coming home from school straight away or picking up my siblings from school if I finished early. Babysitting pretty much most of the time when she had to go to work and you could really leave the kids on their own. But then when I went to uni, that's when I kind of had more freedom. I wasn't really babysitting anymore. And that's when my last two siblings came into the picture. So I didn't have as an active role in their upbringing. But whenever I was home for summer or Christmas holidays or anything like that, I would always be helping out or, and always, I was always, I was always at the end of a phone call as well. So if anything ever happened. So even though I was at uni, I was still heavily involved in the family life. So helping with like any letters or emails that had to be written, um, answering any kind of questions and kind of pretty much helping my siblings navigate growing up in the UK as well. Cause my mom didn't really know much about how things work here in the UK. So I was the first person to kind of go through the UK education system. So anything like any questions about those kind of things, I was always the one to be to be called by mum. So applying for like primary school positions, secondary school positions, that sort of thing. And um, looking up like Ofsted ratings for schools as well. Um, so yeah, that's mostly what my life has been like at home. Amazing. Like when when I heard you you left, did you leave home for uni on like purpose to be like, okay, I need a break, or have you always wanted to leave home for uni? What what was the decision behind that? So when I came to uni, I definitely I only applied for unis far away from London because I wanted that independence. I was I was sick and tired of, you know, just not being able to live my own life. Because I always felt like growing up, I couldn't always do the same things as my friends could do. Like I had extra responsibilities that no one else seemed to have. So when it came to uni, I definitely leaped to take the opportunity to kind of spread my wings a bit. So the furthest uni I applied for was Leeds. And then I also applied for Bath, uh, Southampton. I think the closest uni that I applied to was Surrey. And even then I wasn't too keen on going there anyway. <laughs> Um, the ones I really wanted to go to the Leeds or Bath because they're at least you know quite far away from from London. I I can definitely second that um, when it came to choosing unis because I was like, not me. I'm not having it anymore because you lot were taking the piss, and <laughs> I was like, my dad was trying to get because we we're actually from Yorkshire, so my dad wanted me to go to Leeds Uni which is like so I went to college in Leeds which is opposite Leeds uni and he was like oh just stay home I'm thinking my staying home has is gonna be 
to help you and I'm not here I want to enjoy life so I also applied like way outside like somewhere where it will take them at least four hours to get to me so that was a smart idea um did you find that the stress lessened while you were away at uni or were you as involved as you were when you were home um so the stress was definitely a lot less because I I could just not answer the phone I did that a few times I would I'd see the phone ringing I'll be like oh <laughs> and I just kind of put it to the side and pretend I was busy or I had like a lecture or I was you know I was doing coursework even though I wasn't doing anything I was just you know having my piece I wanted that piece but um something I actually realized what happened was because I was gone that put additional pressure on my sister and I had no idea that that was actually happening until my sister told me about a few weeks ago so she said when I had left it was really intense at home because now all of a sudden she had all of the responsibilities of all these different things to do. And there's a lot of pressure on her. Like my mom would like ask her to do loads of things or would start, you know, I think my mom was kind of missing me and she took it out on my sister and put a lot of pressure on her and was always making love comparisons to me, which I don't think was very good because me and my sister are very different people. We have different ambitions. And I think because I was always the eldest child, I... I was always more independent, very work-driven. I really got on with schoolwork, whereas my sister, she needed that extra push and she wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say, so I was always quite an overachiever, always trying to do extra things just to kind of have something to do. I always felt weird not having anything to do. My sister is the exact exact opposite. She's quite happy to just chill and just relax and not do anything. And my mum saw that as her being lazy, whereas it was just me being like a very type A personality. So when I left, all my additional um, responsibilities went to my sister and I didn't think of anything like that when I was like, you know, I was like, yes, I'm finally free. I didn't really think about how it was going to impact my siblings at home. Um, so yeah. Um, so I just kind of wanted to jump in there and ask, because I know for me, I had a similar experience where, um my sister was compared a lot to me as well um and I feel like that really impacted our relationship growing up because we there's like a five years difference between me and my first sister um and so it was already like there's no point in comparing because when I'm 18 she's 13 there's like it doesn't make sense to compare um, even if we were close in age, it doesn't make sense to compare with two different people. But that really impacted our relationship. Um, and it's something that we've had to really try and rectify as we've grown. And we're a lot closer now and it's a lot easier to get along. But those kind of issues kind of creep up here and there. So I just wanted to know how it impacted your relationship with your sister. Okay, so when I was younger, I didn't like my sister at all because I felt like um, my mum treated us differently. So because I was the eldest one, I I was held to this really high expectations. I was always made to do certain things. And my sister, I saw it as my sister getting let off easy. Like she didn't have to do anything I had to do. So I kind of resented her a bit. And I was like, oh, my mum my prefers her than me because why is she making me do all this hard work? And my sister doesn't do anything. She's treated like the baby. So when we were younger, I didn't really like my sister that much at all. And it did come across that way because my mom actually said to me a few times that my sister was just trying to be friends with me and I just wouldn't like her. And I think because of the treat difference in treatment, 
it was just very hard for me to have a relationship with her. Like I kind of just saw her as an extra responsibility. I didn't see her as a sister. Um, and then when I went to uni, again, also because of the age difference as well, we couldn't really have that much connection really because eight years is a big difference. But now we are a lot closer. And I think it's because of that shared experience of when I was gone for like four years, she had to t- shoulder on the responsibility of being the eldest daughter. So we are a lot closer now. And we, we're really, but it took a lot of hard work. And a lot of us actually talking and communicating about, you know, why this relationship didn't work in the past. And I think we've sort of bonded over the shared responsibility that we've had to shoulder for the past few years. And it's kind of like our own mini support network, like support group, our own mini like homegirls, where we can just talk about um, the relationship dynamics that we have with our mother and um, how we've kind of dealt with it. And she's also in a similar position right now where she's very eager to leave, <laughs> but she's still got another whole year before she finishes A level. So, yeah. That's really cute that you guys are like super close now. And um, I'm glad that you were able to work through that. And I think that's like a lesson to a lot of our parents when it comes to comparing us like children like comparing us to their friends children it's like okay we're not the same we all have different strengths and weaknesses and it's not fair to to do that to to kids that basically don't really understand themselves yet and you're just putting like unnecessary pressure on them um so when you got back from uni and back into their family life how was that like how was it so when I left uni um I didn't know what I wanted to do but I knew I didn't want to be at home so I did (laughs) I decided to move to Spain on a post-uni gap year to figure out what I wanted to do because I'd rather figure it out somewhere else rather than go back home and kind of regress back into the eldest daughter role and have to look after like my siblings so I moved all the way to Spain to figure out what I wanted to do for a career. And then the pandemic happened, I had to come back. And I was really optimistic about it. I generally thought that it was just going to blow over and I could go back to traveling for a year and just have that, you know, reprieve. But then it turned into a, <laughs> it turned into something longer and longer. And then I had to, so I started working at a supermarket. And I thought, okay, it'll just be a few months at home. It would be all right. Then the schools closed and I was like, oh God, it was it was extra work because I was doing really early morning shifts. I was doing, uh, some days I'd start at 3 a.m. and finish at 10 a.m. And then I'd have to help out with the kids schooling because mom didn't really know how things were working. I had to like help the kids go through various different tasks. They had like maths or English. And bear in mind, I hated maths at school and me trying to figure out how to teach them maths as well. I was like, oh God. Um, and then my mom was also didn't really understand it herself because she didn't finish um, secondary school. So she left school when she was about 14. And um, so, yeah, it was extra responsibility of me working to kind of get out of the house and do something else. But also trying to job hunt for something more long term and secure because I realized I wasn't going to be able to travel again. And then also juggling all the additional responsibilities at home because my mom is still a single parent. So it was us. So it was us six kids plus my mom at home. So there was a, a baby, two years old, 
um, my brother who just started primary school, um, he was still going to school though, luckily. So it was just the baby and the older ones, but then they needed extra motivation with their schoolwork because they weren't like me. They weren't just self-driven. So they had to get the extra stuff. And then I had to like tell my mom to look out for certain things because they will, they will play tricks on her without her knowing. <laughs> like they will say that they've done a work, but they haven't. And it's just like certain, like small things like that, but it kind of all added up where it was just, there wasn't that much time for me to do my own things. Um, I was trying to do um, like courses online to kind of get me the experience because I was applying to jobs and not really getting anywhere. And the ones where I was getting interviews, I was getting loads of rejection because I didn't have enough experiences. And then trying to get myself the experience is very, very difficult, trying to juggle everything. Um, and then luckily, I did actually manage to secure a job. I'm doing an apprenticeship now just to get the experience. Um, and then I have managed to move out as well, which has definitely helped with my mental health, being able to kind of have my own space and be able to dedicate that time to my own well-being and my future as well. That's amazing. Congratulations on moving out and also the apprenticeship. I hope, Thank you. I hope they both go, go well. Um, in regards to, I feel like you've got a lot of experience being a second mom. Um, and to be honest, I think you've kind of taken it in, like you've run with it kind of thing. Has that, have you, when, what, when's the like earliest you can remember when these, responsibility of being um, a second mom were put on you so probably be when my sister was born so when I was about eight or nine so my mom was still a single she was a single parent and I remember having to babysit my sister and I also remember that since she was born I had to start going home from school by myself so like I had this extra responsibility of making sure that I made it from school to home on my own making sure nothing happened and um and just yeah just not really allowed to be a child anymore like that was when I had to grow up because my mom couldn't go out and pick me up and I had to go to childminders sometimes or I'd have to babysit my sister whilst we went to work so it was kind of just from that moment where my childhood just changed completely can you imagine like yeah it's a lot um we we spoke about this briefly before you came on on how at the age of 14 you were you were responsible for your siblings for six months um how did you find that experience and um how were you able to do that at such a young age and actually like look after them and look after yourself and keep the household going okay so when I was 14 my mom had to go away for six months and that left me and my sister and my brother at home so it was it was a weird it was a very weird time so I was still in secondary school and my family tried to help out so originally my aunt would come to live with us uh, she stayed with us and helped with like cooking and stuff like that but she was pregnant so um that only lasted about a month or two I think I didn't think it was two months it was about a month because she went into premature labor so she had to then go and it would all the responsibility went on to me my aunt's dad 
was in charge of taking the kids to and from school, but anything to do with like making sure that they had breakfast, making sure that they had money on their like dinner cards for lunch, signing any letters for them to go on trips or anything like that. And that all fell on me. I was in charge of my mom's bank account while she was gone, making sure that um, she we used the money on her card to go shopping. Um, and then, yeah, so a lot of responsibility was on me to kind of manage day to day finances, make sure everything was happening, like everything was going very smoothly. I couldn't tell anyone else about it, like at school. But at the time, being able to go to school and not have to tell anyone was sort of a reprieve for me because that was the only sense of normalcy for me because going to school I could just concentrate on myself I could concentrate on the school work I could be with my friends and pretend like my home life didn't exist at that point um it was also that point where my mental health definitely took a dip because it was a lot of pressure for me at 14 having to look after two kids having to look after the finances having to look after myself and not having anyone else to be able to talk to about. It was it was very, very hard. And um, my mom had, was all the way in Scotland. So there was no way for us to really see her. I would call, I would be on the phone sometimes as that didn't happen that often. It was, um, yeah, it was very, very difficult. And I felt like very alone in the world, like, it was one thing being the eldest daughter and and helping out your mother, but it's another being the mother. You know, it was just very, it was very painful. And um, I felt like at that moment, my childhood definitely, definitely disappeared. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't, don't apologize. It's fine. Take your time. And I, like I never heard anyone say this like from going from like actually being an eldest daughter to actually being the mother because I think we we've all been there where we're okay we're the second mom our mom's always there like to back back us up and help if necessary but to not have that like parental figure there to fall back on in case like things go wrong like I can only imagine how hard it was and um, thank you so much for sharing that because um, you're the first person that I've had that that's experienced this at such a young age and um, the house was still standing everyone was still fine um, as and then you went through all that all that mental um, trauma that you you went through growing up and how have you been able to work through that um so I didn't think I fully worked through that until very recently when I started going to therapy <laughs> so I I I would always um, be called very resilient when I was younger you know someone who was wise beyond their years because I could I appeared to kind of take things within my my stride and to be able to adapt and overcome but in reality what I'd done was just push things away and push things down and just avoided thinking about them and hoping for the best really and that's not really a great way to go about things because eventually things resurface and they resurface in a way where you can't you can't suffocate anymore it just explodes and 
my and that would just um that would happen with me like having very low mental health periods where I'd be very depressed and there was several years where I was self-harming as well and I had um suicidal ideation as well and it was only after years of trying to deal with it on my own and being um fiercely independent to a fault and it was yeah and then from there and being able to open up about my struggles with friends that I was able to get the courage to kind of then go to therapy and be in a place where therapy was actually going to be able to work because I had tried it before but I didn't think I was I don't think I was ready then because I gave up after like two or three sessions it took a while to get to the stage now where I am ready to put the work in and I really really want to move on from the trauma that I experienced growing up Thank you so much um, for sharing. I've kind of stayed a bit quiet because I know for me it's a bit it's a bit triggering as well because there are certain stages where I'm like oh I can pinpoint yeah like you said that that was the point where things changed. Um, but thank you so much. I just wanted to kind of uh, explore a bit more like firstly about therapy and stuff. But um, before that, I think it was just like your your use of the word resilient um I personally really hate that word now because I think people just kept saying it like oh yeah oh it's so resilient oh I was just like I absolutely cannot even stand (laughs) to hear that word anymore um but I just wanted to know like uh for other women who may be hearing your story and maybe thinking oh you know I I think I'm ready or I do want to go to therapy what what do you think is different this time round? Like, why would you say you're ready this time round as opposed to last time? Is there like, could you give us a bit more like detail about that? Um, so I think the reason why I was so ready this time round is because I had gone through so many attempts of trying to fix it myself, and after realizing that you know I needed the extra help, that was that's one of the main drivers for why I think I was ready now, but also because I'd, op- I'd actually opened up myself a lot more to my friends. I like, for instance, my friend Eve, I've known her for so long, like 14 years or more than that even, but I only felt comfortable enough sharing all of my history with her only about three years ago. So it was being able to open up to my friends and be able to see that they weren't just going to, abandoned me for having that history and for speaking like how I was I think that was the main fear was that I was just gonna have to keep doing it on my own I felt like I didn't have anyone and that kind of stemmed from like my childhood so I was born in Jamaica and um, my mum went to the UK about two years before I did and I think that was the kind of trigger for the, the abandonment feelings that I felt and because of and then that kind of repeated itself when I was 14 and she went away for six months and I think it was just trying to it it was me being able to break free from that cycle and break free from the feelings that I had surrounding abandonment abandonment so I definitely feel like it was a huge journey and I think it was the people around me that motivated me to to reach where I am right now without them and without their support I don't think I would have reached here as quickly and I don't think it would have reached here without as many, I think it would have, 
had to be something more severe for me to reach where I am right now on my own. And I'm glad I didn't have to reach that point. I'm glad. I'm really glad. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we're both just really glad that, that um, you didn't have to reach that that point as well. And I think that's something that we're really trying to achieve with homegirls, um, having making that space so other women see that they're not the only ones to go through it, that they're not um, they're not alone in this and the struggle. And I've been like saying to Yasin, and we've been kind of coming up with like things that we want, things that we hope to see with homegirls. And I'm like always thinking of like, you know, for so long we've been surviving. That's what I've been saying this week. I was like, yes, and we're moving from surviving to thriving. And it's like realizing that, yes, okay, you've lived a certain way for this long, but doesn't mean that like you've got so much to live for and so much to give. And we don't want to survive anymore. Like we really do want to to thrive um so I just wanted to know like if if you can give any tips for people who may be supporting a home girl like what were the kind of things that your friends did or said that helped you you know feel less alone or helped you feel like you could continue or even and, and live a better life um so they were always just very open with me so they always said oh you know you can come to me whenever, it doesn't matter what you're feeling. And, you know, I'll be there to listen. I think it's very important to just listen sometimes. Like a lot of the times people think to be able to help, you have to give advice. I don't think that's always necessary. I think listening is probably the most powerful thing you can do because I felt so alone, but I felt alone because I didn't think, because I thought that no one wanted to hear what I had to say. No one was there to support me. And I think just having someone listen, it made me feel so much more empowered because I felt like, you no, know, I matter to someone, you know, and it made it so much more easier to kind of see my life as worthwhile and more than just, you know, a caregiver and just someone who was there to, to help alleviate like the weight from my mum's responsibilities. Like it just made me feel worthy and I know you shouldn't really attach your worth to other people, but we're social beings. And it's very, it's very hard to not attach your worth to other people because the other people in your life are what make your life more meaningful because you create memories with them and you share all these sort of things with them. So I think it was just them just always being there. Like that's, that's what's really important to me. Just knowing that the person is always there, very present. And it's not just empty words behind it yeah so I think just being there for them listening to them empowering them and just you know telling them that you know they're worthy and they are loved thank you that's that's really helpful and um I think one thing that I always want to ask homegirls is like what can we as an organization do like I always want to know more like what can we do like is there anything that we could have done to help what resources etc so if any if anyone has like any suggestions even yourself Tony of things that you wish were in place to have made um, this load a bit more lighter for you 
then we will obviously always try our best to to make things like that happen but i wanted to ask you um have you have you ever had this conversation with your mom um no <laughs> no i haven't i mean i've had bits and pieces of this conversation with my mom but she comes from a different culture a different generation and she still has a lot of trauma herself to kind of work through so when i talk about things that I, that happened to me um she doesn't quite understand it like she doesn't see it as a problem because it's something that she's had to endure as well because she's also an eldest daughter um she yeah so i think it's very difficult to have this conversation with her because it would mean her having to look in the mirror and to kind of accept that some of the choices she made weren't great and the impact that it has it had ha- had on me as a child was lasting but i think a lot of people in her position they don't really want to accept that they don't want to accept that um a child's formative years are going to impact them much later on in life you know it's not just something that happened there in that moment it's going to impact them for the rest of their lives potentially and i think until she perhaps works on her trauma it's not going to be a beneficial conversation for either one of us because her denying that will just make me feel a lot worse about how i felt and how i dealt with it because then i'll start thinking oh maybe i'm overreacting maybe i'm being too sensitive and i don't think that's very helpful for either one of us because my feelings and my experiences are just as valid as what she had to endure as well like it may not be as bad as what she did and what as what happened to her but it was bad enough to have an impact on me and her not understanding that kind of minimizes my experience of it and i don't really want to get into that um experience i um i i completely agree i think you can't really like quantify um or put like a scale on how traumatic anything is because it's very subjective and it all depends on each individual we all have different um um we all have different a bit abilities to take on different things so i think that's it's a good idea of how you're choosing to deal with it and if you don't think it's the right time to have that conversation yet um now that you are out of the house um do you ever worry that the same things that you went through will now be passed on to your younger sister so when i moved out i i felt like this intense guilt when i left like i felt like the house was just going to i don't know i felt like everything was just going to come crashing down as soon as i left because you know i was the mediator between my mum and my siblings and you know i was responsible for so for so many things and i felt like you know if i left everyone's going to suffer you know i can't leave and that's one of the main reasons why i was so reluctant to leave because i felt guilty about leaving and i also felt a bit of sadness as well because i met i would miss my siblings so i'd always live with them um but one of the things i didn't say before was that my mom is definitely working on it I think she's young enough now that she's not stuck in her ways. She's quite young. She's um 44. So um our relationship has definitely gotten a lot better, but that was it's taken a long time. 
And that's because uh, at first she wasn't very open-minded to changing and she was quite resistant to change. But when it came down to it, where it was either change or lose me, she decided to make the change. And I'm really happy she did. And she, the change didn't happen overnight and it's still working towards it. But I think because she's become so open now and she's actually listening to what I'm saying, history isn't repeating itself so much with my sister. Um, she's now more open-minded. She's less reactive. She's thinking more before she reacts, which I think is really, really, really helpful. And she's also taken into taken on board that, you know, we're still children and we're, we need to still have that childhood and not have that burden or responsibility. So now she only works two days a week, which is a lot less than when she, when it was me and my younger siblings. So there is that, there's less responsibility on my sister. Um, she's also, after what would what has been like quite a few months of like telling her she needs to teach my brothers how to do housework as well she's finally making them do housework around the house so they're hoovering now they're washing dishes so slowly one day they'll they'll make it to the bathroom but she's very she's very uh slow to take that up um but yeah so she's definitely changing and growing and I'm really happy to see that but her changing and growing is only towards us. And I, I still definitely think she should go into therapy and address the trauma she feels because a lot of things has happened to her. And I don't think she, I think being able to talk to like a therapist will definitely help her overcome that and become happier. You know, I think she's happy now, but I think she'd be a lot happier if she was able to really talk about the things that happened to her when she was younger. I hope, so good to hear. Very often, go for it. I was just saying, I'm praying that they make it to the bathroom soon because um, they need to get there, the boys and all of everyone. Um, and I'm I'm really happy to hear that she's actually um, making the effort and really trying. And I think that's one thing about because I remember before you moved, um, you dropped a message about this exact thing and how you felt guilty and I was just like sis run but um I'm glad you made the decision and I think um when we are doing these things and taking these steps forward it's so easy to just think about the negative things that might happen rather than like um the bigger picture and I think your mom is a great example of um the bigger picture of her like training the boys to do household work etc so I'm really happy for you guys and I hope it continues go go on Hannah now I was just going to say something similar it's like um one so glad that they're doing the housework as well I've been trying to get my mom to do the same and it's not just like there's only like two of them left in the house now with my mom but so it's not just my brother, it's my sister as well. And it's just like trying to get her to, to get both of them moving and helping. It's like a really big thing. So well done. Um, and I think for me, like just listening to your story, I see very, uh, uh, sorry, I see a number of similarities. Um, so my mum had me pretty young as well. And it's like seeing her grow. Because there's times where I think back, like, so I'm 28 now. She says stuff like, oh, you know, by the time I was in age, I had four kids. And it's like, it's actually wild to me because it's just, 
I feel like I'm still learning so much and I'm like I don't know how she did it with four kids in tow um and so I think like you said you know your mum's still young she's still learning as well and it seems that like therapy has really been great for you because just listening to you 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 really are able to um see when it's good to talk to her when you know you don't want to discount all this work that you've put in and still seeing that she needs help but she's learning it's just really amazing and it's really nice to talk to you and I really hope that you know the women who are listening can hear like just how much like therapy has helped you and you know how much having these conversations has helped and I think for me kind of the 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 more women we talk to the more I realize like change only happens when you you make that first step like a lot of these women who you know our listeners may be thinking oh I want to be like that I want to do that I want to be able to get to that position but it's just a reminder that in order to get there you just have to make a move like it can be moving out it can be saying no it doesn't matter like the move that you make as long as you make something and I think that's something that really needs to you know I feel like I if anything <laughs> comes out of home guys I just hope that people get in order for a change to happen you should have to make a move and it sounds like even with you like the more the more cha- the more steps you took the more changes happen so I just wanted to know if you could give us any kind of I've kind of tried to summarize some of the tips that you've shared but if you can give us any last tips um for the people who may be listening um, so I think I just want to reiterate what you said really it's just sometimes you have to make that first move for sure like everything around you could be pointing you in the right, the right direction but you're the only one who can make it happen so I definitely think it comes from within yourself like you you can't force someone to change they have to want to change themselves and I think that's very much true of us like if you want to see something different happening in your life then you have to go out and do it and it is so scary and it's nerve-wracking but when you do it you're all the much better for it and you feel so much happier like I am so much happier now that I have my own space now that you know I've stood up for myself and I said no and I was sweating so much every time when I I had to say no I was like no I don't want to do that it doesn't I don't want to and I would be so nervous, so anxious. But then when I when I did it, it was okay, nothing happened. Like the, the sky didn't crash down on top of me. But what did happen was because I started saying that I was able to put in place all these boundaries and to start to shape the way I wanted to live my life. And it's super scary to start with, but once you get going, there's, there's no stopping you really, you know? And it's just, it's just giving you that courage and that confidence to be able to take back your life and to live it how you want to. I think that's so important to do. Amazing. Thank you. And like, trust me, guys, once you get going, you're not going to want to stop. <laughs> like that feeling you get, even like just to just to give you a small example, like <laughs> on Instagram, I've been wanting to like remove people and unfollow people for a long time. But this week I just started doing it. And as soon as I start doing it, it's just the thrill. Because before I used to be like, oh, you know, I don't want them to feel upset if I unfollow. But it's just like, oh, I feel so free. And now I can't stop. <laughs> I'm just like, want to delete my whole account. But I just can't stop. And I feel like that's how it is once you make those changes. Because as soon as you like say no and you realise 
like like you said Tony the world doesn't end and you're like oh wow okay let me try saying no again next time and this is it's just thrilling and I really hope that each and every one of you can experience that I really really do but yeah yes it any last any last points I think you guys you guys did it and to me I'm always I'm the number one advocate for me <laughs> run away do you let let them live life without you so let can, them experience <laughs> they can they can know how much you did for them etc and I think it ends up working out for the best and um, I'm really happy for you Tony and I hope this is a great of many things to come and um, don't worry about your siblings they're going to be fine always thank you for joining us today thank you so much Tony thank you for having me and thank you guys for creating this support group as well like when I found you guys last year during the first lockdown I was so relieved like I didn't know I needed you guys until you were there I saw the article (laughs) and I was just like damn there's actually people who are like me and they and they share the same experiences as me and it's just been so great to be a part of this community that you've created and you know, it's just I can't wait for in-person events to actually meet people. You may. <laughs> so thank you so much for doing this, you guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank really. you, Tony. And trust me, we can't wait for in-person events as well. <laughs> it's like I wanna hug everyone. Because everyone's been doing so well. And like we get messages. Obviously, we get loads of messages like, oh, I'm struggling and and then we get messages after like, oh, I've done something, I've done this change, and it's just so nice and hopefully we'll be able to celebrate together very very soon but thank you yeah. so much guys for listening thank you guys. thank you for joining and thank you yasin for being yasin <laughs>